you're at the intersection of faith and fun. Welcome to the Hangout for Hope podcast. Now, here's your host, Pastor Aaron Lane. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Hangout for Hope, your spiritual pick-me-up that's just the right amount of time for this moment in time. I hope that you're doing well and that you're feeling the presence of God in your life today. You know, now that the weather has been getting a bit nicer here in Columbus, Ohio, I've been trying to get out and walk more. Um, maybe you find yourself doing that too. Maybe opening up the windows, trying to, you know, breathe, get that breath of life that seems to be springing up outside into your house and also into your body. Um, I will admit that over this past year, uh, this COVID year has not exactly been kind to me as far as my weight. I have found myself sitting a lot more, eating a lot more, and exercising a lot less over this past year, and the consequence of that has been noticed. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, It's been frustrating for me. Maybe it's been frustrating for you. So, so what do I do? Well, I look for the programs, you know, get on the internet, see what other people are doing, you know, try to try to figure out what's good for me, what will get me some good, honestly quick results. So there's things like Nutrisystem, Noom, Weight Watchers, and I'm sure you probably have some things too. You know, I, I'll be honest, I even looked into surgery because, well, I don't know, I'm the lazy part of me would, would almost rather get surgery than go through all the dieting and exercise. But I know that probably won't happen either. So what do I do? Well, what will I do? Let's, let's think about it. I, I think I need to start with keeping it simple. Burn more calories than I take in, right? That's it. That's the key to losing weight. It's not rocket science. It's not even algebra. It's elementary math. Burn more than I take in. So when do I start? Well, I guess now would be a good time. Where do I start? That's probably a good question. I want to start, usually when I do things like this, I, I want to start with someone who knows a thing or two about working out. You know, if I have a subject that I want to know more about, I go to someone who, who knows about that subject. So I did something the other day, and for the first time ever, I bought a Cameo, a Cameo, specifically for Hangout for Hope. So what exactly is a Cameo? Well, basically, it's paying a celebrity to give you a message. So if someone really, really likes, say, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, and you want uh, to give a Browns fan a really cool gift, a very unique gift, and have them give you a video message that says, happy birthday to, say, Pastor Aaron, you know, the biggest Browns fan in the world, then then you could do that. And so what I, and there's lots on there. I mean, you could get Lamar Jackson, you can get athletes, comedians, actors, you could get um, people from uh, Disney. It, it's really amazing. I mean, you really can get anyone. Let me put it this way. Vanilla Ice is on Cameo, and there's over 30,000 different celebrities on Cameo, 
in over 600 categories. So check it out. You know, it's kind of a neat thing. Cameo.com um, is pretty cool. So anyways, uh, basically, I got a gift card. And for $20, I asked two-time Olympian Nick Simmons a series of this or that questions about what he chooses for workouts. Why him? Well, because Nick competed in track and field for nearly two decades. Again, he's a two-time Olympian, and he actually just recently announced his retirement from professional running. But he is a fitness enthusiast. He still works out daily. In fact, you're going to hear that he works out twice a day if he can. Um, he splits his time between swimming and cycling and running and lifting and climbing. So I thought this would be an easy choice for someone to go to so for some expert advice. So what did he say? What does he like to do for workouts? Well, here we go. Hey, what's up, you guys? Nick Simmons here, two-time Olympian, CEO of RunGum, and this message is for Pastor Aaron Lane. This one's going to be fun. He's got a this or that for me. Uh, gym versus outdoors. Outdoors, but I do love the gym. Burpees versus squats. Squats always. I hate burpees. Strength versus cardio. You know, as a pro runner, you probably expected me to say cardio. I'm going to go with strength now. I prefer to be uh, in the gym lifting weights. Pilates versus yoga. Yoga. Protein shake versus protein bar. Protein shake for sure. Jump rope or jumping jacks. Love jumping rope. Hate jumping jacks. Dumbbells or kettlebells. I actually don't understand the purpose of a kettlebell. So I'm going to go with dumbbells. We use dumbbells a lot. Don't use the kettlebells that much. Crossfit or boxing. Ooh. You know, I do a lot of CrossFit, so I choose CrossFit. Um, workout group or solo, both. I literally, I do both. I work out at a CrossFit gym Monday through Friday in the mornings, but in the afternoons and on the weekends, I work out solo, so I love them both. Arm day or leg day, arm day. Plank or crunches, I will not do planks, so definitely crunches. AM or PM, again, both, but if I have to do uh, just a single. Normally, I, I like to work out tw twice a day, but if I'm only working out once a day, 100% and always my hardest workout in the morning, that's when I work out best. All right, Pastor Aaron Lane, I hope that answers your questions. This was fun. Thank you. It's really cool to have Nick on the program to be able to tell us that. You know, over time, people have passed down knowledge that they've gained from generation to generation. I mean, we didn't always have crunches. We didn't always have planks. We didn't always have, you know, this or that workout routine. And it's really interesting that as we build um, who we are as a society, who we are as individuals, it's kind of neat to, to see what people who have done, what people have done who have gone on before us, um, how do they train? How do they do things? And over time, we've learned more and more about how the body works and, and how to care for our bodies. Now, I'm going to say the same thing is true for our souls. God has continued to reveal who God is to us over the ages. And that revelation is still happening. One of the ways that we pass down what we have learned about God in our Christian faith is through Christian education, most certainly. And, you know, on a high level, we can go to seminary. And we can get our Masters of Theology or Sacred Theology degree or Masters of Divinity or even a doctorate in ministry, which, again, just as a side note, I think it's kind of funny that the abbreviated version of a doctorate in ministry is D-men. D-men. Get it? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, but short of going for a degree in theology, 
how do we pass on what we know to be true and not true of God? To help us with this subject, I'd like to actually give a call to Reverend Grant Eckert, who is the pastor of Jacob's Porch at The Ohio State University. Tell you what, while I get him on the phone, let's have a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Advent Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio. Find out more at adventelc.org and on social media at adventelc. Well, now I'd like to enter into our interview section of the podcast, and I'd like to welcome in one of my good friends and hopefully someone who will become your good friend as well, Pastor Grant Eckert. Welcome, Pastor Grant. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's great to be on the podcast. Yeah. Hangout for Hope is something that uh, we're switching formats, so I hope everyone uh, is following because we got some really great interviews like with Pastor Grant Eckert. So Pastor Grant and I were actually classmates at the Trinity Lutheran Seminary <clears throat> back in the day. Um, and I, even then, I have to admit, Grant, I, I knew that if I had a question like this one, you would be the one to ask. So uh, before we get on with the subject, uh, do you mind just introducing yourself real quick? You know, where have you served? Where are you from? Maybe a little bit about your family and, and certainly where you serve, Jacob's Porch. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of you to say, Aaron. I have lots of good memories with you and so many others uh, during our time at uh, the Trinity Lutheran Seminary. But yeah, since graduating from seminary, I uh, took my first call at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Loveland, Ohio, which is on the north side of Cincinnati, not far from Kings Island, and um, spent, I don't know, six or maybe seven years there. And now I've been here at Jacob's Porch, uh, which is your Lutheran campus ministry here in central Ohio. We serve students uh, not only from the Ohio State University, but also Capitol, some students from Otterbein. Columbus State, and now during the pandemic, uh, where we've been on Zoom, we have students from around the country uh, calling in. So we've got a, a large impact here uh, in this campus ministry, and uh, we're grateful for partner churches like you that, uh, that keep us moving along. And yeah, I've been here almost eight years now. Wow. Um, we're, we have, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. It's, it's flown by, though, um, and it's, it's been wonderful. I'm married uh, to Tammy, and we have two kids, Grayson and Tobias, uh, and, you know, we've been doing the, the teaching at home thing and getting through this pandemic like everybody else, but trying to find some fun things to do um, in the midst of this. And here, you know, Jacob's course this semester, we spent a lot of time doing, uh, you know, things online, but some things outside. We're also redoing the building on the inside that students aren't really gathering in here, trying to make it something that's going to be really special uh, come this fall. So, yeah, so that's uh, who I am and, and where I'm at. And our building, some of you have been here, but we're located uh, just across from the Student Union, kind of spitting distance uh, from that uh, off the Ohio State campus. And we've got a really great location that students can walk to and really find a community. You'd think that students uh, wouldn't be so lonely at a university the size of Ohio State, but uh, over and over again, the surveys say that students are lonely, anxious, depressed, and community is one of those really missing ingredients, and not even just any community, but Christian community is something that's been a real lifeline uh, to college students, and we see that um, day in and day out around here. 
Wow, I can only begin to imagine some of the challenges because you are such a widespread campus and you have such a, a large student body. Um, I think it's uh, fantastic that you're redoing the inside. I know that's one of the things that um, I loved about Jacob's Porch for many, many years is is the inside because it's not just like a, a typical church on the inside. You You have couches and chairs and and things like that is that going to continue to be what people see when they walk in yeah we're going to keep that that same vibe uh you know but just kind of getting some of the the maintenance items fixed up you know we had a 1980s uh, original drinking fountain that was just giving out and leaking and so we got a new drinking fountain in which is used all the time by students or or folks who live on the street to come in and, uh, you know, but the, the carpet and the floor, we had a rotted subfloor and the carpet was really dingy. So the feel will be the same. It'll just be maybe a little bit nicer and cleaner um, as students come in because it is a barrier. You know, we have a lot of Lutheran students, but we also have a lot of non-Christians or spiritual but not religious students who are trying to figure out their faith. And I've heard numerous times of how when they see the steeple, you know, on the top of the building and we kind of look like a church on the outside, they're really, their anxiety raises because they, they think they might be struck down by lightning if they walk in. <laughs> and, but, but when they come through the door, they're like, okay, they, they can relax because they see the graffiti on the walls. They see the couches. They see the food and the friendly faces. And all of a sudden they can relax in. But that threshold, that door threshold is a big a big deal for a lot of these students who get really anxious around church and we have to reassure them you're not going to be struck by lightning that's zeus that's a that's a, that's a different god that's a whole different whole thing whole different uh, the uh, ethic you know ethos yeah 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 a whole different ethos <laughs> you're going to experience nothing but the grace and love of god that we have in jesus christ so yeah it's what, what students think about god um before they experience god is uh very different and so we're grateful that we get to spread that message here on campus. Absolutely. And, and we're we're blessed to be able to support you. Um, I think that's one of the things that um, I will say as a pastor of, of Advent Lutheran Church, Advent does a lot of things well. We're, we're a very good mainline denomination church. We do great things. God does great things through us. But one of the things we don't do well on our own is college-age ministry. And so to be able to support you um, and Jacob's Porch, a place that does amazing um, God gifted ministry it's it's wonderful to hear these things if people want to connect to Jacob's porch which what's a great way to do that yeah thanks for asking Aaron um, a great way to connect to us I mean really our web page is, is pretty solid if you go to jacobsporch.com you can learn more about us you can also um, there's a if you'd like to support us financially even uh, there's an easy click to give online link there or if you have a student um, that is a you know, 18 to 25-year-old that wants to connect with us, there's a form they can fill out on there, and we'll reach out to them. Uh, we also have our own podcast called the Jacob's Porch Bless and Limping Podcast. You can find that out on Spotify and other platforms. So there's numerous ways uh, to connect to us, and we love to connect to our partner churches. You know, we are so grateful for our stalwart churches like Advent Lutheran that have been partners with us forever because we really can't do what we do here without you and other churches and alumni and people in your congregation uh, giving to support us. You know, some give $10 a month, and we are grateful for that. Some give more, and that's what really keeps us going. We're completely uh, dependent on the partner churches. And it's more than just a financial gift that you guys give because your youth group is here, yeah. you know, a, a lot. And, yeah. um, you know, Matt Pittman and numerous other folks from Advent 
uh, have been on our board. Matt is our board president right now. So we go beyond just a charity you give to, but we really see ourselves as partners with you. And I tell a lot of churches, you know, you guys do great ministry through, you know, youth ministry, catechism, uh, children's ministry. But then when they graduate from college, it's, it's hard to figure out what to do next. And that's where we come in, uh, especially for those who come to a, a school here in, in central Ohio, or even if they just go and get a job after high school, they can still connect to us. And if they don't go to college um, and we're continuing the legacy that you invested in. You know, you don't want to drop the ball at the five-yard line uh, when they go off to college uh, and the spiritual formation piece falls apart. It's like, no, we continue that good work and get them through to adulthood. Amen. 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 Well, you know, and, and let's let's build off of that, getting into the subject matter of today, and that is, you know, you're building off of, at Jacob's Porch, what has already been the foundation, what, what people have already gone through, um, and you're taking it to the next level. And, you know, I guess that's the thing about church. I, when people walk into, say, a Presbyterian church, a Lutheran church, a Catholic church, I think one of the things that you think of is old. Like, this is old. What does it have to do with me? The Bible, you know, went, the last book was written a long time ago. There's 66 books in this book that we call the Bible, this little library. So everything seems old, 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 old. And I guess one of the questions is how do we, is the church just simply stuck in a loop and being old? Or how is it new? How is the church new based on everything, seeing as how everything looks old? when you go to church? Right. That's a really great question. You know, uh, Jesus talked about old wineskins and new wineskins. And, you know, I think this, the, one of the wonderful things about Jesus is that there's something new for every generation um, in him and his life, death and resurrection, you know, and the traditions that we have, um, especially our theological traditions or some of our worship traditions, you know, I kind of view them as just this great curation of wisdom over the ages. And so, you know, if I show up on the scene now and say, well, I'm going to reinvent everything, it's like, well, somebody probably asked that question before, and there might be lots of people in the past who have wrestled with that question, and I get the benefit of having their wisdom um, at my disposal and to share with others. And so I think, you know, sometimes people see Jacob's Porch as, well, you're, a, you know, fresh, new, everything's always new, new students all the time. Uh, certainly, you must have a very different theological bent than our churches. And it's like, no, part of the richness is the grounding that we get uh, from tradition. But it must be a living tradition. You know, it mm. must be something that is not just, well, I believe this because somebody said it a few hundred years ago. It's what does this tradition, what does the scripture, what does it say for me or to me? You know, that was one of Luther's big things, you know, in theological terms called the promeity or the, the for me-ness of hmm. the faith, that it's always being made new in me as I'm, and in the next generation, as we are grappling and learning and being formed by those same things that have formed people, you know, for a few thousand years now within the church. There's so much wisdom to be gained where we don't need to reinvent the wheel, mm. uh, but we need to kind of examine it for ourselves and see the freshness that comes to us, uh, you know, over and over again. So most of what I do when I'm talking to students is I'm just sharing what's been passed on mm. and trying to make it relevant in their lives. You know, I might not use all the exact same language that Martin Luther used, 
but I'm using the principles that have been passed down uh, from the Reformation and, uh, and trying to make it relevant and fresh and in the language of the people now so that it can really connect deep within their soul, kind of like, like that seed that can be planted um, in good soil uh, to produce much fruit. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, it's really in the Lutheran tradition uh, to even do what we're doing right now. And that is, and I love what you say, is meeting people where they are in the newness and the freshness of the old, old story. Um, so, I mean, I think of Martin Luther and, and the printing press. I mean, that's one of the things that really, you know, got a spark to a fire with the Reformation. Um, and I know you mentioned a podcast. We're doing one right here. Um, and and even the simple thing as creating an environment like you do it at Jacob's Porch, you know, like you said earlier, having the couches and the chairs almost kind of is a counter uh, counterpoint uh, to the steeple that the, that the kids see outside. Right, right. And I think if digital technology was available to Martin Luther, uh, he probably would have done a podcast also, because for him, the most important thing was to preach the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus. And he was going to access anything he could to get that good news out. So I have no doubt that today he'd be doing something like this, because he really believed that when the, the word of God is preached, when the gospel is heard, that's where this place in our soul is made and Jesus comes in and we are connected, uh, connected to God. And it's this life-giving relationship. But first we must hear the gospel. Faith must, must come alive through that experience. And then the options are limitless for how we kind of participate in what Jesus is doing in and through us. Oh, but it all yeah. starts with getting the word out. And even though that's the mainstay of Lutheran theology from its beginning, uh, Lutherans haven't always been the best <laughs> at getting that, that word out. And that's why I like what you're doing with the podcast, and you do uh, so many good things like that, uh, where how can we get the word out and, and, and preach it and speak it in a way that makes sense uh, to the student? You know, st- people come in, probably like at your church mm-hmm. here, at all different places in their faith life. Um, and some have been grew up in the Lutheran Church. Some are not Christian at all and are very skeptical. And so, it's how can the the Word of God that we have received be preached and communicated to where those people are at, like we said before, and using any variety of means to do that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and and I I love what is being said. I guess one of the questions I have for you is, you know. Uh, if we're building off of all these things, uh, I, let me put it this way. Um, I was uh, teaching confirmation class uh, earlier this year, which for us, uh, so everybody knows, are sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And they were baptized at a younger age. And they are uh, kind of, gr- they're growing in their faith uh, through Christian education and experiences so that they can affirm their faith, so they can take their faith on as their own. And I was talking to the confirmation class and I was trying to explain what liturgy is. So liturgy is the work of the people. It's it's the order of service that we use usually in uh, worship. And I was trying to explain to them that worship and the liturgy was not just made up by some old white people. Um, it's actually taken from scripture. It's like quotes from scripture and, and put into a form that we can kind of uh, internalize. So I guess my question is then in broad terms, as far as like worship and theology, um, do you see God 
continuing to re- reveal God's self to us? Or is, is everything that I really need to know simply found in a Bible that I can read for myself? Yeah, it's, you know, one of the things we say here is that faith is made whole in community. And mm-hmm. so I'm a big advocate of students individually reading their Bible. And there is there's so much in there. Um, it's also overwhelming for anyone who's opened the Bible. You know how overwhelming it is. You know, I see the Bible is a library. It's not just a book mm. written over, you know, thousands of years from different cultures as God is speaking and revealing things um, to saints throughout time and in different places. And it can be an overwhelming thing to sit down. And yet you can still find that kind of life-giving, even simple truth um, in the words of Jesus. Mm. So it's that kind of tension between uh, we need to be grounded in what's old, but also understanding that, yes, God continues to reveal these things to me in a way that's relevant to my life. You know, and the the liturgy is uh, something that is steeped in Scripture, and it's not just written by old old white guys. Some of it is. <laughs> some but, of it is, know, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. Some of, but even if we say old white guys, you know, I mean, you go back to the fifth century and you have a, you know, St. John Chrysostom's liturgy. I mean, that's, he was uh, Greek, so I guess technically European. But people miss, too, that some of the oldest liturgies we have come from Africa, you know, in the Coptic church. It was one of the most thriving churches in the, the early church was in Africa. And um, the church in Turkey or Asia Minor, that is where so much of our theological heritage comes from. St. Augustine, you know, Martin Luther was an Augustinian monk. He was a Berber, so he was from North Africa. You know, and so there's, there is great uh, diversity in the global liturgy that has been passed on to us, even the form of the liturgy. You know, we remember that it was um, uh, the Jewish people who had the liturgy that the Christians used. The first half of the liturgy we use today up till communion is basically uh, the Jewish liturgy we inherited from, you know, the first century. Wow. And then we add the communion liturgy on after that. The, the early Christians did that. And so we still have that, that same form. And I think one thing that's really important to note is that, you know, for the first, gosh, two-thirds plus of church history, um, all the churches were sacramental, and the Eucharist, Eucharist was so central. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of students who go to non-sacramental churches, sacramental churches like the Lutheran Church, Episcopalian, Catholic, Orthodox, um, and they're like, well, we never had communion, um, uh. and this is, this is weird. And that's where I want to say, yeah, this was so important to the early Christians because they really wanted to be near Jesus, and this was, a, this was Jesus in the body and blood, and we're receiving the good gifts of God through this, this Holy Communion. And so they're kind of like, well, I just thought it was only about the preached word. I was like, well, that's extremely important. Word and sacrament are important, but we're missing some of our heritage uh, if we end at the end of the Jewish liturgy with the word and don't then enter into the Eucharist. And so, you know, our liturgy is passed down from a, a global church from many different times and places. And um, it's shaped by every culture that has it. Originally, liturgies would be translated into, um, if you went to Ireland, then you'd be speaking, you know, Gaelic in the liturgy. Or if you went to, uh, you know, North Africa, you'd be speaking a local dialect in the liturgy. At some point, the Roman Catholic Church moved to having it all in Latin, but that was a little bit different than how it had been early on. I think that's one of the things that the Lutheran uh, Reformation recovered was 
the Bible in the language of the people, and especially the liturgy in the language of the people, which of course our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters have come back to uh, in the 20th century. And so it's a kind of like scripture, the liturgy is always being made new. A form is passed down, kind of like scripture is passed down, uh, but it's, it's, it's made new in our presence, and it's revealing something to you and me every time we encounter it. And when I have somebody who comes from a different, um, maybe, um, you know, perhaps more fundamentalist background to our church, mm-hmm. and, and they say, well, why all this liturgy? I just give me the Word of God. I just, I like our church that has just all this scripture, they would say. I'm like, well, experience our liturgy, and you're actually going to get more scripture right. in a liturgy than you probably did in your church, because the entire liturgy is, is scripture, um, and even the prayers have, you know, scriptural metaphors and, and images in them. And you're likely in most Lutheran churches going to hear scripture read for a good 15, 20 minutes from Old <laughs> Testament, you know, New Testament, Epistle, all those kind of gospel lessons. Psalms. Yeah. You're getting so much scripture. And I think that's something that, um, you know, that Lutherans can feel good about. But is what does that word mean to me and how is it making me new? And that's where the art of pastoral ministry and congregational ministry occur. And to say, finally, that's why it's so important that faith is made whole in community, that, yes, I can sit down with my Bible by myself and I encourage students to do that in prayer. But you need to be in a community of faith for that spiritual formation to take hold, because that's where best you're going to learn what the words of Scripture mean, the context of it, and how it's shaping your neighbor in a way that you might resonate with you and be like, oh, that's what that meant to you. You know, I think I can get that, too. Um, so faith in isolation um, is very unlutheran. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and really, I I mean, I I'll be honest with you, Grant. Even I, as a pastor, would love it, just love it, if God would text message me, because um, I really don't check my email as much as I, I really should. But you know, there are some things that I wish you know God would just send me a text, and I would totally do it. But you know, if God did that. That'd be great, but I do miss that discernment part. Um, if I just had the answer, kind of lightning bolted down to me, and I know that's Zeus, but um, you know, or texted to me. But I love what you're saying: is community is renewal. Would you say? Would you go as far as to say that community is also revelation? Like God continues to reveal God's self to us through that community. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have the definitive revelation of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as the center of Scripture. So that's one kind of revelation. Mm. But that kind of event has just a, a resonance, like a ripple of wave effect through every time and every place, every community, every church. And so, you know, the, the more people that I'm in Christian community with where we're really wrestling through the Scripture texts, that word is going to be revealed to me in a fresh way because I'm hearing my neighbor, uh, their thoughts on it. And that's going to poke a light bulb in, in, you know, in my mind and in my heart. And I learn just as much from the students as they learn from me. You know, we, we were named Jacob's porch and Jacob comes from the old Testament from Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestles with God. And so we want to encourage our people here, wrestle, uh, with God, let's do it out loud so I can hear what you're saying, because my faith is not made whole unless I can hear how you're wrestling with it. Um, and then you go to the global community. It's not just how the U.S. citizens are wrestling with it, but how 
are the Ghanaian Christians wrestling with it? How are the Ethiopian Christians wrestling with it? How are the Turkish Christians wrestling with it? And when you can read what their gleanings are, it becomes a very rich, multifaceted way to read scripture. Um, that is, every time you hear a new, a new insight, you're being spiritually formed in a different way and something new is being reve- revealed to you. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, just re- real quick, just on a personal note, is there is there someone in church history or or someone even now that you you go to get a, 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 a new topic, uh, an old take or a new take on something that's going on in your life, a, a topic or an issue? Is there someone or something that you go back to as far as the church fathers or maybe even today contemporarily? Yeah, I would say. Um, in terms of a resource, I'll start there. One of my my most used resources over the last few years has been something called the Ancient Christian Commentary. Hmm. And what that is, it's a, a commentary set of every book of, of the Bible where if I wanted to look up John 1 and get some understanding, I could go to a modern commentary, and I, I do that, and those are helpful. But if I go to an ancient the Ancient Christian Commentary series, I can see what St. Augustine said about John 1. I can see what Gregory of Nyssa said. I can see what, um, uh, you know, any of the Cappadocian fathers or Maximus the Confessor or St. Ambrose, and I can see what, what they, how they were interpreting that, and I find that just really grounds me. So, you know, as you know, I, I love Luther and the Reformation, and I, I read a lot of that, but um, I really love to go into the ancient church uh, fathers to see how they were thinking about this text because I think there's so much unmined wisdom there to be had and yeah. I would say the person that I'm learning from most right now would be someone I just mentioned Saint Gregory of Nyssa who was basically in charge of writing the the, the Nicene Creed that we <clears throat> all speak in church he was part of that council and that group and his wisdom is just so uh, refreshing for me even though he was writing in the fourth century. You know, I, wow. I read modern theologians, and I, there's a number of them I like. I've been reading Willie Jennings lately and, you know, James Cone and mm. uh, a host of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm finding more and more that I really enjoy going back to uh, the, the, the ancient church and seeing the wisdom they have there. That's awesome. I mean, it's almost like a uh, a back to the future kind of uh, paradox because you're going back in time to find the wisdom to inform today and tomorrow. Um, and that's that's really the great thing about our God. God is beyond space and time, and God is able to use the wisdom all the way back from the people that you've mentioned, all the way through, you know, my old Sunday school teacher who taught me this or that, or, or even just my daughter uh, who totally blew me away the other day with a prayer that she had that just, I was just like, yeah, man, boy, you got it more than I do. Um, you know, it's just, it's wonderful to see God continuing to reveal who God is and what our faith is. And, and I guess that's the thing is uh, we, we are building off of the past. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's there for us. Um, and yet at the same time, it's new and it's fresh. I know for me in the liturgy, um, you know, I don't know how you are, Grant, but 
I, I, I will get ready for a sermon and I've, I've read the scriptures all week and I'm, I've prayed about it. I've studied it. I'm ready to go. I got the sermon ready. And then someone comes up to the microphone and reads the scripture in a way that I had never heard it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I need to throw away this sermon real quick and redo it. That's that, that reading totally changed the way I heard it. Um, that kind of thing. It's fun to see how God's like, ha ha, you know, <laughs> Right. Life in the spirit is a wild adventure. You never know when the Holy Spirit is going to say, nope, uh, you're supposed to be saying this or (laughs) nope, uh, we need to go in this new direction. Uh, You know, it's a a wild adventure. We kind of in some ways I heard I heard uh, I think Len Sweet said this a long time ago. He said the church are a bunch of numenots. He was building off astronauts, you know, but numenots, (laughs) surfers of the spirit, you know, and it's this wild thing where you don't know where it's going to take you. But I love that you are open to that. I think that's, you know, one of the things we can get too uh, encrusted on what's old. And like I've been Mm -hmm. saying over and over, there's a richness there. Mm -hmm. But we have to also say the Holy Spirit is doing something right here, right now. And if we're not attentive or curious or tuned into that, we can really miss how God wants us to apply that ancient wisdom to today and which direction to go. Amen. Amen. Well, Grant, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been fantastic having you on for Hangout for Hope. Um, and uh, blessings to you and Jacob's Porch as now you're winding down the year, right? And and do you take a summer off? What is it? What does Jacob's Porch look like in the summer? Well, over the summer, we typically do uh, most years, I mean, well, every year, worship on Sunday nights throughout the semester. Now, the small groups kind of pare down. We'll have some, you know, some gatherings, campfires, you know, for students that are still in town. But so many go home that it's a little bit of a time to kind of rebuild and plan for the fall uh, while maintaining worship on Sundays. Now, this summer, uh, we are, the students said, you know, we've done Zoom all year. Let's take a little bit of a break. We're all kind of burned out from that and come back. Uh, when we can to worship when we can all be gathered in the building. So we're tentatively looking at July uh, for all of us to be able to start worshiping again um, in the building. And then, of course, in the fall when, when students come back. Uh, so, you know, we'll have some outdoor gatherings, like I said, campfires, some, some one-on-one walk and talk conversations. Uh, but that's it's going to be a different kind of summer for us as we all emerge from this pandemic. Absolutely. I'm sure it is for for you guys and for many of us. And of course, ironically, that new porch at Jacob's Porch, you know, it has to be used. I mean, come on. It's just too awesome. I saw pictures of it It and it's just beautiful out there, man. It has to be used. And shout out to Advent Lutheran Church member Phil Canfield uh, and his company Greenway Landscaping for coming in and doing that porch for us. Uh, just did an amazing job, and that was that was our lifesaver in the fall to be able to have small groups out there when it was nice and to do one-on-ones. And the students just loved that space that was kind of a wasteland for years, a no man's land in between these, you know, the porch and the building next to us, which is now a beautiful uh, space that can be used and enjoyed. Absolutely. Well, check every everyone check out. Make sure you support, pray for, and just simply check out Jacob's Porch at jacobsporch.com. Pastor Grant Eckerd, thanks so much for being on a Hangout for Hope. Thank you so much, Aaron. It was a pleasure to be with you. Blessings to you and Advent and our shared ministry together. 
Well, everybody, that's it for this episode of Hangout for Hope. Thanks so much for joining me this week. Uh, it's great to be with you. If you have any questions or any subject matters that you'd like to know about and talk about here on Hangout for Hope, just give me an email at pastor at adventelc.org. But until next time, next week, this is Pastor Aaron Lane reminding you to take care and to give care in the name of the one from whom all blessings flow. Have a great week. Thank you.